Welcome to the inaugural season of the Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast of 2021. Now, Darren, when you hear that, how does that make you feel? It's amazing to think that another year has come and gone. And, you know, you remember being younger and hearing parents and grandparents say how quickly time flies the older you get. Uh, And it didn't really make sense when you're younger. But now you're sitting here and it's like, okay, I feel like we just celebrated a happy new year on a new year. And now we're looking at doing, doing the same thing. And it feels like it was not... Uh, not that long ago. So it's, it's really kind of incredible to think of just how quickly time does fly as you get older. And, and, and I know we're not a podcast about philosophy, but if I could wax uh, a little philosophical mm-hmm. here, um, y- you know, we're told to seize the day to make the most of every opportunity, because I think you just pointed out time can be a thief when we don't realize the time that we're given, how special it is and, how we should make the most of it because it like you said it it goes so fast absolutely absolutely and speaking of of time flying and 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 uh since we're friends i'll, I'll say it without appearing to be ugly hopefully and getting older uh today is a a pretty special day in your world and you you gave me the the or gave me the opportunity to tell the news myself so i will I will do the same for you. It's, it's obviously it's going to be a, a great day today with a, with a, a birthday, but I'll let you share with with everyone uh, your age and the excitement of the day. You know, Darren, this this uh, time period between Christmas and New Year's Day, I, I don't even know what day it is, and, and <laughs> you're asking me these hard questions. Well, is is it just the new year or is it age that you don't know what oh never mind. Never mind. It's it's the big five zero, you know. Yes, it's sir. A, Happy birthday. Thanks. You look at benchmarks in your life and you're like, there's no way I'm ever gonna be fifty years old. And then you wake up one morning and you're like, Oh, okay. And it's amazing how young it feels as opposed to how old you perceived it when you were say twenty. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I can be sitting during the day, and I'm like, I feel pretty young. And then I look in the mirror and wonder, who is this person looking back at me? And I tell you, 2021 is a year you've reached that benchmark. You've joined the, uh, our, our, you've joined the the grandparent club. That's, <laughs> and you've you've had some some big days throughout the process of this year. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah. Well, we're 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 all so blessed, and uh, oh, to I, our I listeners, mean. I hope you see all the blessings in your life and. Uh, Darren and I wish each one of you a very, very happy new year. Um, We've been through some rough years and Darren and I are both optimistic that um, things are going to get better. 2022 is going to be better and and we're going to hold that line uh, in believing uh, the positive and uh, creating positive energy by our words and our actions. I agree with every bit of that. So today is a a special episode because we're just going to focus on the playoffs. We have two monumental games, which will lead to what we anticipate being an incredible um, 
championship game. And, and I know every time we're turning around, we're hearing about somebody testing positive and a bowl <laughs> game being canceled. But, Darren, I'm pretty sure these games are going to be played. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I agree completely. And I, I think you can see even in the news coverage about, you know, COVID protocols and all those words that we've become so familiar with and that almost just kind of bounce off of us at this point, especially over the last couple of weeks. But you can see even in the news coverage about these things, these four teams specifically have really taken some some probably bordering on extreme uh, measures. But at the same time, they're trying to guarantee that these games go on. Uh, and so you can see, you know, isolations and, and, and players, you know, they're can't remember which team it was, but one of the teams is doing their meetings uh, completely and totally via Skype, even though they're all in the same hotel. Uh, all of their team meetings are taking place over uh, the Internet just to keep from limiting the amount of time that guys are in this in small areas together, specifically indoors. Uh, so, you know, I think they're doing a lot of things to try to ensure that. But as you said, yes, even though we have, I think it's up to like five bowl games that have either been canceled and or affected, uh, you know, in some way. Uh, I think with these games that, that we will see uh, that, that they will that they will take place and they will move forward. I think everyone involved will do everything they can to, to make sure that happens. Yeah. And uh, so here's what we're going to do for you today as the listener. Our, our gift to you at the end of this year is Darren's expert analysis. <laughs> Darren is an avid researcher. He's very thorough. And we're going to get some insight from Darren on these games that, frankly, other places, you'd have to pay for this. That's right. But you're getting it free on this podcast. So, Darren, I know you have been feverishly compiling numbers and looking at all the different angles for these two semifinal games. And, and so tell us a little bit, um, you know, hit us with, with what you've uncovered and, and your prognostications and, and kind of where you think this is all going to end up. Well, first thing is remember it's a free gift. So don't hit us up on Twitter asking for a refund. All right, let's, (laughs) let's start there. (laughs) Let's start with uh, the game that's going to take place first. And that's uh, Alabama versus Cincinnati, number one versus number four. Uh, and it's going to be at 3.30 p.m. on the 31st on ESPN. And I tell you, looking at stats from, from every possible angle, a couple of things that really stand out um, is, is even though it obviously took place on, some, uh, on different levels, um, it, there's still some similarities in stats that are, that are pretty interesting. Um, and then there's, for instance, in defense, we've talked a lot about Cincinnati's defense. Obviously, Cincinnati has not played. Uh, I, I don't think you can argue on, on any level that Cincinnati's defense has not seen what Alabama's defense has seen as far as who they stood up against. But when you look at yards allowed over the season, average per game, there's a one-yard difference. Actually, it's right at a one-and-a-half-yard difference. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's le- just barely over a half-yard difference. Uh, each is averaging right at about 306 yards a game that they allow, which in today's college football game is pretty incredible. But then at the same time, on the opposite side of the ball, there's a stark difference in total yards. Both teams are well over 400 average yards, total yards per game. But 
uh, Alabama is just under 500 yards per game, which is an incredible statistic. Uh, they average 495.5 yards per game. Cincinnati just under 430, which if you were to put them up against just about anybody else would be a pretty significant number. Uh, so it's pretty incredible that there's 60 yards uh, under uh, just under 60 yards under Alabama on average per game. And what really the one stat that really makes that stand out for Alabama is when you look at yards per attempt, offensive yards per attempt, passing and rushing on the passing or passing offensive yards per attempt, the uh, FBS average is 6.45 yards per attempt. Alabama is averaging 10.45 yards per passing attempt. Wow. So literally every time they throw the ball, their, their expect, realistic expectation and result is a first down on average. That's amazing to think about. And nobody else is, is, is anywhere I- even close to that when you get to this level. Now you have to kind of look at the outliers and, and, and you know, some of the different things on, on different in different conferences. But when you look at teams that, that have been in that, that top 25, top 30 range, nobody's even close to that. Uh, and, and in contrast, again, on the passing side of, of the ball, Cincinnati, who's who's had a really nice offense, as we said, four hundred and basically four hundred and thirty yards a game. Their passing yards per attempt is five point six five, so almost half of what Alabama does. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a pretty incredible uh, contrast in in offenses that really, even if this game turns out to be a high scoring game, I think you're going to have to look at the fact that. Both of these defenses, that, that's, that's where it's going to be defensive performance. I don't think it's going to be determined in a way that we're used to, you know, a 12-9, you know, 13-11, whatever those things are. But I think defensive performance will be what creates – you'll be able to look at it and say, oh, okay, Cincinnati's defense fail. They just never seen anything like Alabama's offense, which honestly – who ha- who has they've they've had such an incredible offense this year, and, and they they just fell to it. You know, you look at Bryce Young, forty three touchdowns versus four interceptions. Wow, that's an incredible year. Mm-hmm. A, a ten to one ratio in intercept touchdowns to interceptions. That's an incredible incredible year. Uh, and so so you look at this game as I said, just about from every angle, and it really does come down to defensive performance and one of the things that even with all of those stats one of the things that makes Alabama take even that next step to another level is when you look at their in the trenches guys their size is just so ridiculous uh, that I think that makes the difference and gives them the opportunity to overcome even overwhelm uh, Cincinnati's defense, I think, ultimately. For instance, Evan Neal is the uh, Alabama left tackle. Pretty small guy. Uh, six foot seven, 350 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You know, Cincinnati playing the schedule that they've played, facing the team, they haven't seen size like that. And that's across the board. He he stands out a little bit more because he's, goodness gracious, he's six seven. But, you know, 300 plus, 350 plus across both lines, offensive and defensive, that's just not abnormal. 
uh, for Alabama, and they just have not, you know, speed, as the old saying goes in football coaching circles, speed overcomes a multitude of sins. But you know what? Sometimes so does size. Uh, and when you've got guys that can just clog holes or create gaping holes uh, on that line of scrimmage, it's just going to make a, a dramatic difference. And again, honestly, uh, even with the incredible year that Cincinnati has had, I just I, I think Alabama will be overwhelming. And, and I know that's not a popular take uh, when it comes to the, the power five versus group of five uh, conversation. But I think it's very much a realistic take looking at just looking at all of those stats, kind of breaking it all down. And certainly the size. We may not notice the advantage Alabama has mm-hmm. in the first quarter or second quarter because, it, it, you know, adrenaline causes guys to, to rise up and do amazing things. Mm-hmm. But by the third quarter, the fourth yep. quarter, that may start wearing on Cincinnati. Alabama, I think, is 13-and-a-half-point uh, favorites in this yes. game. Um, it's But yet, let me ask you this, Darren, with all the numbers mm-hmm. you're looking at, let, let's go down – Let's get into some philosophy, some sports psychology. What you just said, clearly Alabama has the physical advantage, the size advantage, uh, the, 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 the guys to win the battle in the trenches. Mm-hmm. They're 13.5-point favorites. But yet, Will Anderson, star linebacker for the Crimson Tide, is, is viewing he, – he's saying that Alabama that, – that they are the underdogs because he feels like all year long people have disrespected him. Right. What's going on here? Oh, that's directly from Nick Saban. That's, you know, <laughs> he, he finds a way it, it's amazing. Uh, you, you know, I, I, he must have a research staff, uh, the size of, of half the football team because the, 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 the bulletin board material that he pulls out and, and, you know, in a public persona, when he's standing in a press conference, he spends all of his time talking about how we can't, uh, we can't worry about outside of our building. Oh, we've got to trust our process. We've got to – but players have commented throughout the years. One of the things he's really good at is just throwing in these little one-handed comments that somebody from the other team made or, uh, you know, putting a, an image out there that sometimes <laughs> may not be a reality, but he can support enough evidence that the guys are like, oh, that's right. And just like, I mean, you're Alabama. You're going up against Cincinnati, and you've got one of your players talking about how you're an underdog because you've been disrespected all year, and you're Alabama. That's he has that uh, ability. You know, we I don't remember what game it was, but we talked about uh, you know one of the games that they barely won that they should have won, and, and whoever the team was they played next was was one of those paycheck games. And you know, I remember us talking about in the process. Like I said I don't remember the teams, but just in the process of the podcast, how sorry we felt. Uh, for for that for that next team up because they were just and they did I, I don't remember who it was I just remember seeing the scoring thing ugly quick and and he has that ability and I think that truly is part of his process uh, because I think one of the things that he's concerned about is is you cannot dis- dismiss Cincinnati as a team that got lucky they are in their spot uh, I think you can look at what they've done their their body of work throughout the year. And I think the worst thing that can happen is Alabama underestimate them, let Cincinnati get ahead enough, not that they would maintain this lead and all of a sudden just destroy Alabama. Don't even think that's the remotest of possibility. But if they get ahead enough that even when Alabama takes control, you're in that fourth quarter and they still have a chance. 
they're still hanging on. They're th- still within a score, you know, within 10 points. What, you know, w- where something crazy can happen. Th- that's a worst case scenario for Alabama. And so I think the internal rhetoric uh, for their process this entire time has been avoiding that. You can even see that in some of the press conference stuff as they had their press conferences uh, Monday. 90% of his conversation was about, oh, my guys, don't take these guys lightly. This is a good team. This is a well-coached team. It, all of those things you hear him say because he wants his guys to hear him say that again from, from another form in another way. Because, I, like I said, that would I, I think that would be kind of a worst-case scenario for Alabama. And that's something that not just Nick Saban but coaches have done. I think Lou Holtz, when he was at Notre Dame, was legendary for – you know, the way he would talk, his he, his team had no chance. Right. But you oh, know you, you know behind closed doors in that <laughs> locker room, he's not saying that to his players. Right. But you hear him talk and every team they played was, you know, just a couple of bad bad plays away from being, you know, defending national champs the way the way he would talk. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> so as you look at the Alabama Cincinnati, I get I guess what I'm hearing you say, Darren, is that um Cincinnati deserves to be there. The first yeah. you know what non-power five to, 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 to make, to break through mm-hmm. um, first group of five, I mean, group uh, of five, uh, right. A group of five to make the playoff. They deserve to be there. Um, but you're seeing Alabama coming away with a, a, a victory here. Cause they're just too strong. So let me ask you this question, Darren. Okay. What happens in the future? If Alabama blows Cincinnati, Cincinnati out, what happens to other group of five teams in the future vying to make the playoffs? I, I think it's very detrimental um, because you, you've got – this has been the conversation basically since, was it 2017-ish, 2016, 2017, that the whole – that UCF went undefeated and they won their bowl game uh, against a Power 5 opponent uh, and they, they had their own little national – a championship party. I feel like that was like 2017, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, and so that really kind of ignited, uh, took the conversation to a next level. And if the first person to take advantage of all that conversation and push through and get in, uh, gets beat 52 to seven, you know, 49, 12, whatever. Uh, I, I think it's it, it has a very dramatic effect, not only on um, the possibility of a group of five coming through in the in the future, but I also think it 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 gives a little bit of a ramp up to the the the, the voices that are out there that are against expansion of the playoff. You know, going from four to to six to eight to to, to whatever, uh, because you know there I, I think that that side of the coin is going to say. So here's your answer. There's not a need. Put the top four in every year, and let's just let's keep doing this. And, and you know all those conversations that are a part of that. So I, I think it has a very possibility of a very negative effect. But I also say just very quickly on the other side of the coin, if Cincinnati makes a game, even if they don't win, even if it's within a couple of scores, it's an exciting game. I think it has a very a, a positive effect from from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to sum it up, what I hear you saying is you're picking Alabama to win this game. Yes. And Alabama will cover. I think they will win by a minimum of the 13 of two scores, 13 and a half. 
Well, look at that. You just threw something extra in there. Not only did you pick them to win, but you picked them to cover. <laughs> I, I really think they will. I, I think it would be an exciting game. And, you know, someone genuinely really doesn't have a dog in the hunt. Uh, it, it would be super exciting to see it, you know, come down to one score, be one of those last-minute games, something like that. But I, I, I think the cover will be the minimum that, that Alabama is able to do. I, I think they'll – there's the possibility that Cincinnati has a great first quarter, uh, even first quarter and a half, you know, but just like you were talking about earlier, when you haven't faced guys this size and you're a defensive lineman for Cincinnati and you're, you know, two and a half, three quarters in to a 360, 370 pound guy just leaning on you constantly, that has to have a toll. Uh, and so I, I think that ultimately is, is one of the big defining lines and also their, their big playability. You know, you're, you're averaging a first down per pass attempt. Uh, yeah. So I, I think those two things combined doesn't put a whole lot of, of um, close game possibilities in the cards for Cincinnati, even though it would be fun to watch. But I think covering is, is a minimum of what Alabama will do. I, I can't argue with your logic, your research. Your reasoning, I'm going to pick the Crimson Tide as well uh, to beat Cincinnati, go to the national title game. Uh, I think Cincinnati has had a great season. I think they're going to put up a fight. They're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at Alabama. Absolutely. Uh, And so I think regardless, Alabama covers the spread. Even if if Alabama blows them out, Cincinnati needs to hold their heads up high. What a remarkable season. So let's go to the the other game, which is a little more – in maybe a little more intriguing. I don't know what your research is telling you, but Michigan, which really came on and, and finally Harbaugh has had his breakout year mm-hmm. going up against a Georgia team that was dominating everybody this season until they ran into Alabama. Exactly. So how do you see this game unfolding? Well, you know, one of the really interesting things about this is when you just line up statistics side by side and look at yards per game, yards per game allowed, rushing, uh, passing, all of that stuff, uh, you really honestly see two teams that statistically are pretty incredibly matched, or, or evenly matched, sorry. But the one thing that really makes Georgia stand out is the one thing we've talked about all year long. Defense, defense, defense. Um, points allowed per game. Michigan has allowed 16 points per game. Georgia has allowed nine and a half. And we all know that that number is rather significantly lower if you remove the Alabama game. If you remove the SEC championship, that number drops pretty significantly. Because the other thing that really stands out when you look at yards per attempt, Georgia is allowing on, on as a rushing defense, Georgia is allowing only 3.4 yards per attempt uh, which is almost half, or, or I mean a full yard, a full yard and a half short of the, the, the FBS average of, of five. So they are, when the other team tries to run the ball, they are cutting them off a yard and a half shorter than anybody else in the country. Uh, and they are, they are rather significantly, because, you know, yards per attempt gets, gets real – real easily gets into the tenths and the hundreds. It's not usually a huge spread unless you've got, you know, big outliers. Uh, but the other thing that, that is, is impressive from Michigan, even though obviously they haven't had 
the defense that Georgia has, because, well, no one has, uh, but their yards per attempt on rushing defense uh, allowed is only 3.88 yards. So they're still under four and pretty significantly under the um, the national average. And when you look at offensive passing, uh, uh, passing and rushing yards per attempt, they these two teams are within tenths of a yard uh, with uh, or within each other. Uh, Georgia holds the edge in in um, or I'm sorry, Michigan holds the edge in both rushing and passing offense, but it is it's rather insignificant. Like literally in passing, it's one one hundredth of a yard. Uh, Georgia averages seven yards per attempt. Michigan averages seven point oh one yards per attempt. Uh, so they are very, very, very matched. And I, I think this has the opportunity, you know, the spread's seven and a half. Georgia's favored by seven and a half. I think there's at least the possibility with this one uh, that Georgia doesn't cover, but it's because it becomes a very defensive uh, uh, game. Uh, and I think the one outlier that we've discussed previously is, is the quarterback situation with Georgia. I think that's going to make a dramatic difference. And, of course, Kirby Smart has um, avoided this question uh, just like an absolute plague uh, the, the entire uh, the entire time. You know, the last time he was asked about it, it his, his immediate response was, uh, yeah, we don't disclose that information and, and just kind of very quickly moved on uh, and, and spent most of his time talking about how well the third string quarterback had done, giving the defense a realistic look at what Michigan's going to do offensively. That was the only quarterback that he would really, and the other guys were doing well too. That was all he would talk about. Uh, so that really is kind of the, 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 the outlier that makes you go wonder how exactly this is going to go, because I think it could make a pretty dramatic difference difference and be pretty hard for Michigan to deal with uh, because it would basically be something that they, they haven't seen uh, all year long. Um, so there, there seems to be a lot of, of stuff, you know, quarterback. And of course, you know, you got a, a defensive coordinator change for Georgia. It wasn't really a defensive coordinator change yet, but yet there's listed now three D coordinators that are all co D coordinators, uh, you know, including Will Muschamp, which is interesting uh, when you look at, you know, everything going up to leading up to the game and all the stuff that's been put out. So there seems to be a lot of off the field stuff going on in, in Georgia world that adds a little bit of intrigue to it as well. And, and it, it's going to be, a, like I said, I think it's going to be a really tight game and a fun game to watch. But I don't know how many points are going to be scored. I think each defense has the opportunity to get the upper hand on the other offense. Yeah, it, it certainly looks that way. Uh, and you, we we saw the strength of Michigan's defense against Ohio State, which absolutely is pretty pro- prolific offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think even if someone picked Michigan to win, I don't think people pictured the game to go the way that it did. No. So, but. So let, let's get to a, a very – a question that has continued to come up throughout the season. And there's a little bit of a concern at quarterback for Georgia. Stetson right. Bennett, who has been very serviceable, uh, but yet when he comes up against a team like an Alabama, his history is not that great. Is Kirby Smart going to stick with Stetson Bennett, or is there any chance that JT Daniels might, might play? You know, I think one of the other things that um, that really throws a, a kink in this is, I believe, 
JT Daniels has has had issues with uh, COVID protocol, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I believe he um, he tested positive um, along with one of their wide receivers, whose name I'm just blank on right now, uh, that had been out for the majority of the season. That's trying to come back for the the college playoff. Uh, they both tested positive, and I think uh, did not. I think they may not even be anticipated being being able to join the team until maybe today, um, and 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 that may still be up in the air. And George Pickens, by the way, thank thankfully mm-hmm. that came to me. George Pickens with the wide receiver, I just went blank blank on, uh, and I think actually it's now being said that both are have made it to uh, Miami, but they were they were late joining the team, so that really does throw a, a kink in, even if. Kirby Smart was wanting to, d- does that limit the possibilities? You know, is it going to have to be, is he going to have to try to look at, okay, do we have packages for JT Daniel that they've never seen uh, that, that may be a benefit to us? And, you know, then you've got the old, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Uh, you, you know, so how does that affect the team? And I, I, I see it leaning toward at least the possibility that he just stays the course unless it just becomes overwhelmingly obvious that 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 Bennett's kind of fall apart succumb to the pressure and, and he feels like he has no choice it'll be an interesting thing to watch for sure but I, I think that's kind of the way it's leaning right now mm-hmm. yeah it, it's going to be interesting um you know uh, I, I I don't think we have any doubt what George is going to do on the defensive side of the right. ball um, but I think you know we're really going to what I'm looking for is can Michigan's offense do anything against Georgia's defense and mm-hmm. can Georgia's offense, because, you know, Michigan's going to come at you with two very good defensive ends. Oh, absolutely. And so um, you gotta, you gotta be able to protect Stetson Bennett. And uh, so how do you see this? Uh, how do you see this game unfolding? Who do you have winning? I truthfully think Georgia wins out. Uh, I, I to to go back to to kind of throwing that extra stat in. I honestly believe this one's close enough that Georgia doesn't cover. Uh, I think they do win out, uh, but it could be a field goal. It could be a couple of field goals. Uh, you know, uh, you know, six points with a mixed two point missed two point conversion or something like that. But I I, I don't think they win by seven and a half. I think Michigan will do enough to keep it that close throughout the game. I will just throw this one thing out. It does kind of scare me sometimes looking at Michigan's history. I'm afraid this is going to be the one that ends up being 51 to three and the Cincinnati game be the close Cincinnati Alabama be the close one. But, but I think if you just kind of look at everything and, and, and break it down, I think this one has the possibility to be that one score game that is a back and forth of, of, you know, punting and, and missed fourth down conversions and anything to try to get the upper hand throughout the process of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got Georgia and Alabama meeting. Um, yes. So an all SEC championship. And who do you have as the national champion? You know, I think if Georgia has used this time uh, to get what whatever they could of their offensive struggles under control, whether that be with Bennett or Daniels, I, I I think Georgia wins the rematch. I said that initially when we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I, it's just I, I have nothing to go on other than I don't know how you beat Georgia's defense twice in the same year. 
even if it's nine to three and everybody just kicks field goals, I don't know how you beat them twice that that defense twice in the same year. Uh, now that being said, it looks like Alabama's offense obviously has that possibility or that potential, but I I, I really think that that Georgia wins the rematch. What what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with that. Uh, you know, um, but it's tough because. Mm-hmm. I'm really having a hard time betting against Alabama this year. Exactly. I think that for some reason, Saban has got this massive chip on his shoulder. And he, even though he's had, it looks like he's been having fun this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he has managed to convince his team that the world's against them. Everybody is disrespecting them. And right. I think that makes for a very dangerous Alabama team. Yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, you know, and, and and I think if if they do blow out Cincinnati, like we've talked about as a possibility, uh, I think Saban's immediate narrative is, look what you guys just did. And now all the all the press wants to talk about is, well, you should have beat them. And, and he's able to continue that that disrespect, you know, even if they have a big win, he's able to continue that narrative. And and obviously they, you know, he's figured out a way to 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 get them to 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 feed into that and buy into it. Right, right. So so we got an all SEC championship: Alabama, mm-hmm. Georgia, and Darren, the eminent researcher of college football. And the proud co-host, I'm 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 just tickled that I get to co-host this with you because because <laughs> I'm just kind of riding your coattails. You have all this information. Is picking Georgia to win a national title, and we'll wait and see. But you know, Darren, I have I have a hard time arguing with you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna trust your your prediction here, and I'm 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 going with you. And I'll say the same thing I said earlier. You, it, it's all free, so you can't ask for a refund. So even if I end up being wrong, I can't. <laughs> oh, goodness. So there you have it. Uh, let us know if you disagree or, or agree with these picks. Uh, shoot us a message. Respond on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And, um, you know, we'll wait and see. Watch the games this uh, New Year's Eve. And we'll and be also, back next Tuesday to talk some more. Also, jump in on the bowl pick them. There's still a ton of games out there. We've got quite a few people that that are that are on it, and, and it's been a good time to watch all the the, the games. Uh, you know, start to pile up. Initially, it was like 48 games or something like that, or 49, including the national championship. Mm-hmm. And and those games are still on there. So so it's not too late. Uh, that's on our bio on uh, Twitter, or you can shoot us an email brewingshavers at gmail.com. Ask for the link. It's never too late to jump in on something like this. There's still quite a few games to go. Yes, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it, I, I'm excited now that we're here to the New Year's Day Bowls. Come, yes. Semifinals. It's a great, great, wonderful time of the year. And so thank you for joining us and listening. We'll see you next Tuesday. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. We're available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Check us out. Tell your friends about the podcast. We appreciate your support, and we will be back next Tuesday in a brand new year. Have a great week and a happy new year.